Welcome to Fearless Marketing for Life Coaches. I'm Simone Soul, and I'm here to teach you how to get your life coaching practice fully booked without having to pay for ads, buying Instagram followers, or complicated sales funnels. It's not rocket science, and you can do it too. Listen on to find out how. I have on the show today with me my dear friend and somebody I consider a mentor, KJ Sassy Pants, aka Karen Hawkwood. I think it's the other way around. Karen Hawkwood, aka KJ Sassy Pants. More people know me as KJ Sassy Pants, I promise you. All right. And the thing is, she doesn't call herself a life coach anymore, but she's True. totally one of us. And <laughs> whenever she speaks about anything, I always listen very hard. And I invited her to come on my show and talk about the path of mastery because she talks about it in a way that nobody else talked about it before. And I just want to get straight into it. KJ, would you do us the honor of introducing yourself the way that you introduce yourself? Sure. I think what I've done and where I've done it is less important than what is important to me. And what is important to me at this point in life is the in-between places. It's the zone between the human world and what is beyond the human world. It's the zone between what we know and what we absolutely don't know, because there's a, there's a zone in there. One way of talking about it could be the mythic. I'm spending more and more of my time in the mythic world. And in, I think one of those in-between zones is the place where we, we see the patterns in us that we only ever glimpse imperfectly in our lives that is also the pattern of something more. And so those are the things that matter to me. And that will probably tell you more about me than any sort of CV. <laughs> I actually was hoping that you would say what's on your business card word for word. <laughs> oh, well, I have no, to I mean, I'm already getting so lost in what you're saying. And I'm like, I just loved what you had on your business card. I'm like, can you read that also? <laughs> well, to be honest, my business cards are sexy as hell. They um, are very so sexy. This is what my business card actually says at this point. It does say Karen Hawkwood. It does not say KJ Sassy Pants, but that was from a lack of room, not a desire to not have that on there. Got it. Illuminator of bones, asker of dangerous questions. Ocean floor meets night sky, which is still my favorite description of myself. I get chills every time I, I read that. I love that. And resident pharaohs of the underworld. Resident what? Pharaohs. It's this wonderful, wonderful word. P-H-A-R-O-S. Pharaohs. And it's something that's kind of a cross between the person who sits at the front of the boat with the lantern and a lighthouse. Oh, I love it. And Pharaohs of, I was of, just of what did you say? Pharaohs of, of the underworld. Under underworld. Ah. See? Now we're really talking about something. By the way, note to everyone listening, you can put whatever the fuck you want on your fucking business card. <laughs> if you have one. <laughs> You totally fucking can, and you don't even need to have one. You don't need I mean, one. I still think they're useful, yeah. but they don't have to be boring. <laughs> please, please don't feel like you have to make your business card boring because people won't understand it if no. you don't. That's a big thing. Or please don't think that you have to make your branding 
any more sort of simplified and dumbed down and boring or professionalized, you know, as you show up to market in order for people to get you and to like you and trust you? Yeah, please don't dumb it down because if you dumb it down, we don't know who you really are. If you decomplexify it, you don't know who if you, you are. If you go to my website, and I have, even though I don't use the word coach to describe myself, I treasure my coach training. I'm a Martha Beck coach and a Martha Beck master coach. Not that that really means all that much in the sense that I still have to carry it. I still have to embody it mm-hmm. and live that teaching and that training. But it changed my life. It saved my life. Like I am so much the skillful person in the way that I engage with people that I am because of the coach training that I had. And so you go to my website and first of all, I don't have any text on the front page. All I have. You mean no elevator pitch? No, 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 no hook. I don't even know what the cool kids call it anymore. Like I help fill in the blank. You know, with fill in the blank. Right. Right. I help X do Y with Z or for Z outcome. No, what I have is images and they always change. Like I built my website myself and every time you reload the page, the pictures change order. They just Okay, Jay, how will people know what your niche statement is? Let me tell you. Let me, (laughs) because they will not know fuck all about what my niche is because I don't have one. But what you see is you see a picture of a blood moon. Mm. and a neon sculpture of a Chinese dragon and an Mm. antique brownie camera surrounded by flowers and an antique typewriter and a skull with a person's hand on it. It's like sterling silver. It's like human sized and anatomically kind of correct, but there's a person's hand on it. If you, those images hit your eyeballs And you know what it feels like to be with me. You know what it feels like to be in my presence in the first like half a second. You can't see me. Listeners can't see me, but my eyes are welling up just from having heard Katie describe the images. And that's how I know I'm her person. (laughs) And (laughs) if you land on all that and you're like, ew. Like, We're this like is what like, is that? What's her niche? <laughs> right. Dark and heavy and freaky. And there's no words to tell me what's happening here. That's fine. It's fine. But I'm not your person. You know, mm-hmm. and this is the best thing we can do for our people. And we all have our people is to show them who we are as clearly and unapologetically and incontrovertibly as we can. That's it. Like, turn it up. And, you know, everyone said this to me when I was in coach training, and I thought all the, I, I was sure they were all crazy. And that right. if I actually flew my freak flag as big as it really is, yeah. I would be, like, stranded on an, they would ship me to an island that I could not get off of because that's how well that would be received. Right. They were right. <laughs> yeah. They were right. Yeah. And this is, like, resident Ferris of the underworld sounds absolutely asinine to put on a business card, except it's true. Except not to your people. Your people are except like, Except not to my people. This is brilliant. I need to learn what more. Pharos is, you know, and as soon yeah. as they find out it's a cross between the lighthouse and the person with the lantern in the front of the boat, they're like, I'm in. Yeah. How do I find out more about you? Who are you? What are you doing? How do I get to be part of that? Everything you do in your business, I think everyone's goal should be to make it feel like it is to be with you. 
This is why I work with people one-on-one and in groups, but I also have a tech business. Like this is the thing not everybody knows about me. And I call it work like you because that's what I want people to do, Yeah, you know? And so if, and when we build websites for people, my goal is to say, and this comes out of a conversation with our very, very first client that I said to her, your website should feel like sinking into a bathtub full of you, Mm. which sounds super gross if you think about it the wrong way, (laughs) but in metaphorical terms and energetic terms, it should feel like being surrounded by you because then when people come in to work with you, they get exactly what they were expecting and more but more of what they were expecting. I think I've done really well with that. That's been my sense of it. I wasn't setting out to do that like in the way that you described it, but I'm like, oh yeah, my marketing, like you get your head like like a punch in the face with Simone-ness. It's like Simone wrapping around you like a scarf. And you you either love it or you hate it. (laughs) You either love it or you hate it. And I really think if people don't either love it or hate it, you're probably not being as true to yourself as you could be. And the thing is, the thing we're all desperately afraid of, right, is that no one will love it, that everyone will hate it. And And it'll prove our worst fears true. Yep. That we are unlovable. We are not as good as other people. We are alone in the world. We're failures. We're a joke. Yeah. Everyone's just laughing behind their hands at us. And so that's where it takes the courage. If you Mm -hmm. follow a formula, if you do what a lot of the kind of conventional business advice is to just figure out that you're doing X for Y to Z. I can't, like, that's how much that formula means to me. I can't even remember how it goes. It feels safe because they tell you people want that formula. And a lot of people do, right? But it's not, then what they're getting is the formula, not you. And the way that I always say it to people is I was like, you're not a vending machine. (laughs) You're not a vending machine. I will say, right? with Snickers. If you have been using those formulas, I mean, I don't want you to feel like I I did it wrong. I think what I see a lot is that- Everybody starts there. Exactly. It's totally okay to start there and for that formula to give you the first nudge of confidence that, oh, I can't put myself out there. I'm not going to die. And it gives you that soft landing. So I don't and want I, you I'm glad like, you said that, Simone, yeah. because I'm not shaming anyone for it. Yeah, yeah. I no, I'm not come, saying you were. Yeah. I didn't come fully formed out the gate. You didn't come fully formed no, out the uh, gate. Like yeah. we all have to have something to help us know where to put our feet. Yeah. You know, it's like the little dance moves in the concrete. You put yeah. your right foot here and then your left foot here and then you're, you know, but as soon as you start to get a feel for what makes you yourself, start edging into that. Exactly. Like start getting a little, a little braver and a little more distinct. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. And work your way into it. And then you become Simone, which is like, I say Simone and everybody knows who I'm talking about. But KJ, I've, you know, I've been coached by KJ, I think, I don't know, maybe like three years ago, was it for the first time? It's, and so the first time was four years ago, actually. It was Oh, wow. That's wild. So she's <laughs> been know. with me for a while, or rather I've been with her for a while and You've seen all of the iterations of me. And like, like she just said, I didn't come out of the gate like this. I, there were so many things I tried and, you know, I took like one step at a time. Does this feel more like me? Does that feel more like me? And so I just want you to know, like, because I know an earlier version of me would have thought like, I don't know who I am. I don't know. But, but like, it's not, you just figure it out by doing it. Yes. 
Yeah, my business mentor talks about this in a way that just the wording was really resonant for me. It really was helpful for me is he talks about it as call and response. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. And sometimes the response is nothing, which we all hate. (laughs) Right. We all hate. I'm not going to try and tell you to love the moments that you put something out and you get crickets, but it is a form of response. And so it's this idea of this conversation being in this constant kind of like Marco Polo as silly as that sounds, with your people and with yourself, with your, mm. the essence of yourself and your own juju. That's so beautiful. But you have to keep calling and responding, calling and responding in order to echolocate your way With your people, it. with the deeper part of yourself, and I also yes. think with the spirit of your business. Hundred percent. All three. It's like a beautiful and it's, so it's, chorus. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. It's like being surrounded by that, those conversations. And it's a much more mysterious and wonderful process than it seems like in the beginning. It did not seem like that to me in the beginning. I was scared to death. Yeah. But I knew that trying this and at least giving it everything I had was better than giving up and going back to just, you know, having a job. And I know a lot of people have jobs that they love. And I I work with them and I celebrate them and I help them be more in their jobs. But for me, it was a death sentence. Yeah. And so I just, it was like, I really don't think I can do this. I really have imposter syndrome. I really don't see why anyone would want to talk to me, but I have to try. And here I am seven and a half years later. So you too, you too can feel your way into it. So speaking of feeling your way into it, I invited KJ to be on my podcast to ask her to talk about her take on the path of mastery. It's sort of become the nature of the darker sides of the nature of online business and the coaching industry where, you know, it's an uncharted territory, online business. You know, even those of us who feel like we've been here a while in the grand scheme of things, the history of online business is a blip. It's a blip. It's like it barely happened. And because of that, a lot of it does feel like the Wild West. And there's a lot of potential for amazing, miraculous things to happen, really cool things to happen. And because that is true, a lot of that can also be distorted and sometimes on purpose. And I think more often than not, inadvertently, people sell and other people buy a myth of what the path is supposed to look like that bypasses the real pursuit of mastery. And as you can tell by the conversation so far, there's no subtlety that KJ will just bypass. (laughs) She will burrow into the folds of the tiniest subtleties. And I just get there. I just go there with her and get lost because she just has the most deliciously, you know, intelligent and and sort of mythical way of, like like she said, being in the in-between places and like finding the story and the meaning and the soulful wisdom inside those places. And so just tell us about mastery. Okay. So I'm going to preface this with a quote from another teacher whose work is increasingly meaningful to me these days, and that's the mythologist Martin Shaw. And I had the deep privilege of being able to be with Martin with a handful of other people in England last year, which seems like an eon ago now. And he was talking about kind of his path in life, and he'd been through some rough years. And somebody said, asked him something like, kind of like, what's alive for you now? Like, where do you find yourself? And he thought for a minute and he said, my authenticity is in my incompleteness. 
And that has stayed with me ever since. I think we spend so much of the early part of our lives trying to be complete, trying to get it all done, trying to check all the boxes. And to have someone just say point blank in five words, my authenticity is in my incompleteness was a pretty revolutionary thing for me. So I realize that might sound a little tangential, but it's really not. Because the way that I work with this idea of mastery, so one thing I do want to be clear, and I, I totally love the people that are listening, and I want to stay on topic enough that we're honoring the space that you've created for coaches to get their work in the world and to do it effectively and to build their confidence. I love that you're doing this. And make money. <laughs> and make money. Yeah. As much as you want. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you know, be successful in whatever metric matters to you. Like really whatever lights you up and makes you feel like you're really doing it, go for that. So what I will say in that way is that anyone who lives in Western or Westernized culture, if it's Western culture, it's very thoroughly prioritizing the material, the earthy, as I think about it. If it's Westernized culture, like more like where you live, there's a conversation at least yeah. that's happening all the time. It's a soup. Yeah. It is a soup. And there's many ingredients that we might not recognize from the fully Western end of things. But the bias that Westernized culture has towards the earthy, towards the material, means that it has shaped our conversation about mastery much more into that realm. Mastery of earthy things what is mean? what we tend to think of. Mastery of demonstrable skill mm. in the earthy world, mastery of making money, mastery of a craft. Coaching skill, yeah. A practice, coaching skill. Mm-hmm. Those are material things. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like material. If we think of material, we think of something physical. Right, right, right. I'm holding a piece of coral. It was on my desk. So by earthy, I don't mean, or material, I don't mean physical necessarily. But I'm thinking of this in an elemental lens. And so if working with the four element system, because there are multiples, but just working with fire, earth, air, and water, even something like coaching skill is in the earthy quadrant. In that it's like worldly? Is that one way to think about it? Yeah. It's trying to achieve a tangible outcome or a practical outcome. Yeah. Got it. Because our coaching skill, we want to achieve something with our clients. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's still oriented towards this earthy kind of tangible world. And a lot of times the outcomes we're trying to get with our clients or the way we're trying to help them is with tangible, practical, earthy things. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's wrong to seek mastery in that way at all. It's fantastic. But each of us has a path of mastery that's distinct to us. Now, not unique as in I'm one of 8 billion. There are some categories, but they also can get pretty personal. And so one of the things I actually really, and this goes back to the authenticity being in the incompleteness, the path of mastery by definition for me is there is something that you crave. It's a way of being. There's a way that you want to be that you just yearn for. And every time you reach for it, you fall flat on your ass, like every time. And the pain of that experience of wanting that way of being and being so seemingly unable to achieve it 
leads to a tremendous amount of defensiveness and sort of compensation around that hurt. Usually it takes the form of either I don't want it, so the fact that I don't seem able to get it is fine because I really don't want it, or I'm going to sort of fake up a version of it, and then I want it, and I have it. See, I have it. Isn't it pretty? And neither of those things is real. We still want it, and we're still bad at it. And not bad, I'm not being judgmental. You know, this is some interesting territory in terms of how we work with this. But it's a way of being that we have to earn. And we don't have to earn because we're unworthy. I want to be really careful about this. It's not that we are some kind of inadequate. We have to earn it because for us, for each of us, whatever it is, it is the pearl of great price. It is the gold in the lead and the alchemy, the magnum opus of the alchemists. And that doesn't, you don't get that just placed in your hand. You have to earn it because it's worth a lot. And so what that earning involves is continuing to fall down and get up and fall down and get up and fall down and get up. This is a place that we feel awkward. (laughs) We just feel super clumsy and that feels icky. You know, it hurts a lot. But if we can learn to stay with those feelings instead of trying to bypass them in some way, we try the thing, we fall down, we get up. And the more we do that, the more we earn the mastery. Now, that may have nothing to do with the, the sort of world that we would think of for coaches building themselves and their work and their businesses. And so that's why I don't want to go too far off the zone that you're working in here. But if I can link that back to our authenticity is in our incompleteness. One of the things I think you and I both really agree on is that what our people need from us the most is whatever's the most real, right? I think authenticity is a little bit of an overused word these days, but we could say that. What they need is our authenticity. If our authenticity is in our incompleteness, then if we hide that, if we conceal that, if we push that away or put that in the closet because it's messy and we don't want anyone to see it, We're actually depriving ourselves and our people of this kind of essential richness in our being. But it takes extraordinary courage to be able to bring this part of ourselves that we just feel is a complete hot mess and make it part of us. It doesn't mean you have to parade it naked down the high street at noon. I'm not saying it has to become the center of your work. But those feelings of shame and inadequacy lead us to feel like that's why we're maybe not succeeding as much as we wish we were, or that's the thing we have to fix before we can succeed or whatever. There's a number of ways that that can turn up instead of understanding that that hot, messy place is actually the place of your greatest devotion to yourself. So I don't know how much that can, you know, I don't have like a, a super snappy way <laughs> to take that into yeah, how to market yourself better. I don't, I really don't. And I'm, I'm good with that. And if you weren't good with that, I wouldn't be here. Right. You know, you wouldn't have invited me because you know, I think I that's am. the longest anyone has ever gotten me to shut the fuck up for however many minutes <laughs> that was on my podcast ever. It's just a testament to the greatness of KJ Sassy fans. It's like, I was Thanks. like, I could not to say. 
I mean, I could talk the hind leg off a donkey myself. So, uh, you know, I love that we're having this exchange. But that's really what I have is that, and again, I navigate it through that path of mastery through the birth chart. You know, astrology is my language. Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention that. (laughs) is an astrologer. There's that. You know, here's the thing that's interesting, Simone. Oh, you don't call yourself that either, right? I don't call myself an astrologer any more than I call myself a coach. Those skills and those framings are how I do my work. They're not what I do, but they're how I do it. Mm. And that to me is a really crucial distinction because I would say to you the same, coaching is not what you do, but it's how you do it. Yeah. And that's going to be true for all your people too. And that's why to me, there isn't any competition like I still remember how many of my colleagues coming out of my training or when I was in master coach a couple of years later, you know, and still more like I was just around more coaches in training and the amount of panic about there's so many coaches in the world. There's so many coaches in the world. Everyone is a life coach these days. How can I be successful? Like there's just so many. I mean, and I'm not trying to be glib. If any of you that are listening to this can actually really feel this in your bones, Coaching is not what you do. It's how you do it. And if you can unhook what you do from how you do it, it actually gives you a tremendous amount of freedom. Because what you do is your essence. It's your mojo. Mm -hmm. And then coaching is an incredibly effective. The thing I love about coaching as a model, as a frame, as a way of working, is that there's incredible flexibility in it. Yeah. And so you can bring your mojo and into it and adapt it and shape it to be a really brilliant vehicle for what it is you actually do. Mm. But if you think that coaching is what you do and you look out there at 200,000 other life coaches, it's hard not to feel discouraged. Yeah. Or because your mentor or teacher does it a certain way, you have to do it the same way. Yep. And they got the attention. They've built this great successful business. So clearly I need to do that. Yeah. So again, it goes back to that feeling your way a bit at a time into what makes you you because I can tell you what I'm doing and this isn't me like bragging on myself although I have no problem bragging on myself I'm fantastic but what I do I have no models for I don't know anyone who's doing anything even sort of in the vicinity right of what I do right and that was super scary until I realized it was also super exhilarating right the place in you whether it has anything to do overtly with your business or not, the place that you feel the most incomplete, the place where just, you feel the most mess. Yeah. I, I feel like I've been working with you for, you know, four years. So I, mm-hmm. I think for those who have had no prior introduction to your work, they might be like, I want to understand that, but like, give me something early to like, give us like an example to like hook, okay. hook that into something. I'll use myself as an example since I'm the one I'm authorized to talk about. All right. So this is going to sound strange for the people who know me more like you, who know me now. But this is why I think it's a really valuable way of framing it. So part of my path of mastery, the way I translate it in the same terms that I use with people, is that the thing that I want most of all is to be bold and confident and impulsive and blunt and direct, and to just throw myself into the world. How do you know you now, want that? Because I'm interpreting from my chart. Oh, okay. Got it. So I'm, I'm looking at the archetypal language mm. 
that these symbols speak to me and the same way as I would say that to anyone else who had this, that same part of the chart that I do. Yeah. This is the thing you're yearning for. And it's the hardest thing in the world for you. And every time you do mm. it, you feel like a total asshole. You mm. know, like you just completely biffed it. And that's how I felt. I mean, I still feel that way. Mm. But I'm about to be 53. <laughs> and I've had a minute of experience with this. I've been studying this archetypal astrology. Well, I didn't get into the archetypal piece for probably another 10 years. But I started studying astrology when I was 16. So it's been 35 years. So I kind of had a sense of this piece of me. And so I would try to be bold and I would do it in a particularly awkward and unskillful way for whatever the circumstances were that I would do it was doing it in. And I would just feel like I just wanted the earth to swallow me up. And then I would go crawl under my bed and say, I'm never doing that again. Just for example, like what, what would you do? So one of my favorite stories, which I can tell now, because it was a long time ago, is that I was having a moment of really wanting to be bold. And my boyfriend and a friend of mine wanted to go to this party. And it was not people that mostly that I knew, like I would have known a few. But I dressed in a way that was pretty bold for me. You know, I wasn't like wearing a G-string necessarily, because that, would, that would not have happened. But I was, it was more vivid. Now, the way that I was dressing was more kind of powerful than I normally did, which was like jeans and schlumpy t-shirts. Mm. We got to the party and I couldn't go in. Mm. Even though you'd already put it on. Already dressed completely. Like I was able to access that sense of, of wanting to be bold and like blunt and just put myself in the world and see what happened. And we got there and I couldn't sustain it. And I sat in the car for three hours and cried while my boyfriend and my friend went in. I could not make myself get out of the car. And after that, I felt humiliated. No one was humiliating me. It wasn't like anyone was standing outside the car laughing and pointing. But that's how it felt inside me. And so I just said, I'm not going to parties anymore. Mm. And I didn't for some years. (laughs) I got better after that. But that one moment of trying to be bold and then just like not being able to sustain it mm. to carry it through mm. was super painful. And every single one of us has that somewhere. It can be a lot of different things. It can be in the realm of emotions. It can be in a spiritual realm. It can be in a relational realm. It can be in the earthy realm. You Do you know, remember what mine was? <laughs> yeah. You can tell I mean, the world about want- it. I was going to say, are you sure you want me to go in there? Because I can. <laughs> Tell but us. It's... If I don't like it, I'll edit it out. <laughs> okay. You have the ability to do that. All right. So I'm pulling your chart up. There you I are. I think you must have told me about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because we when you first came it. to just... see me, it was you were just out of your Saturn return. Oh, yeah. And this is Saturn. This is Saturn. Right, right. That's what it is. So, so the thing, and this is why this is so interesting, because I see you just like now, people who know me now are like, you're scared to be bold? Right. What the hell? And I'm like, yeah. no, I have a lot of practice. Yeah, a <laughs> lot. Yeah. A lot of practice, but this is not easy for me. So in short terms, like if I really wanted to kind of try and condense the language, how I would talk about your path of mastery is being adventurous and having faith in really, I'm trying to not use the word mastering, but kind of, <laughs> to have having a sense that there's a purpose and a meaning mm. to things, 
that leads you into a level of comfort in the material world that makes you really feel like you've got it. So it's interesting to me, if I separate the two pieces out, I'm kind of pulling together the sign in the house and, the, yeah. and some of the other stuff. But if I just look at the house, Saturn in the second house is usually people who have a tremendous sense of insecurity and insufficiency around money. Hmm. And around like their material comfort. So I have to go and make lots of it. <laughs> so you go and start making like fantastic amounts of money, like right. many, many, many zeros. How do you feel now at this point Yeah, about your safety and security in the material Exactly world? the fucking same as I did when I had $100 in my bank account. Which is what? How are you with that territory in your life? I'm not sure how you mean by that. What is, what is the way that you feel with oh, 100 just, or 100,000? Yeah, like, I don't just naturally feel safe. Like I have to coach myself. I have to like, it's an effort. It's an exertion to feel there is enough. And, you know, I'm not going to die and be homeless tomorrow. At some level, this is a universal human experience with money. Yes. But yes. at another level, it's not. I agree. And I... Like, I know intellectually that more money doesn't make you feel more secure. And at every level of new amount of money I achieve, I'm always surprised <laughs> that, oh, wait. <laughs> right? I, mean, I don't I feel know any that, different. I know that more deeply in my bones now than I did before. Yeah. So now I have, I have plans to add even more zeros to my money. And I know that, you know, like, I know less intellectually, more viscerally, that that's not going to make me happier, securer, or whatever. But then yeah. there's that drive anyway, mm -hmm. right? Yep, absolutely. And you've yeah. got the part of you that is your, your executive function, if yeah. I want to put it that way, yeah. your goal achiever yeah. is tied together with this path of mastery for you. Yeah. So the part of you that wants to do, that yeah. wants to pursue, that wants to meet the challenges also yeah. lives in the place of security yeah, that's like the most in your material environment. <laughs> so this is where you find your challenges. Like this yeah. is the place where if you're going to have a challenge, making more money is like one of your favorite challenges. Yeah. I feel, almost feel like the other stuff almost like comes easily to me. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, like all the, like the spiritual stuff, it's weird to say it comes easily to me, but if I feel more at home in it. Yeah. And the money stuff, it's all this worldly success stuff. I don't feel at home there. And I'm like, mm -hmm. wait, why don't I feel at home here? And then I'm like, wait, I, I got to do stuff to feel at home. Is that sort of what you're saying? Yeah. You're translating it exactly into your own yeah. experience. That's exactly and so I think what I'm you're saying. Right. I do feel very much like I become more successful in a worldly way. I make more money. Not, so, not because I think I'll be like better or happier necessarily. The level of comfort I feel in the material world doesn't match the level of comfort and belongingness that I feel in this spiritual realm, if that makes sense. Yep. It makes all the sense with your totally. chart. I'm like, what so, are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. But this is the thing. This is your path of mastery. Mm, and particularly so with this question of the way that faith plays into it, mm. is that my sense is that the places where you struggle, if you're going to struggle around this, is kind of, I call them the two ditches. Because it's like what we really want is to be going down the center of the road. Mm. Like, really, we've got this. But the road is one of those high crowned roads and it's full of potholes and we're riding a unicycle mm -hmm. and we're blindfolded mm -hmm. and we're juggling flaming torches. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that's the level of skill that's involved. And so we spend more time for a while in the ditches to either side of the road. And the ditches for you would tend to be, my senses, and you can tell me, either navigating the world of money and material safety and comfort from a place of, it's all meant to happen, it'll all happen the way it's supposed to, I don't have to pay any attention to it because there, I just have ultimate faith in life and life will provide. Mm-hmm. Or I can't have any faith. There is mm-hmm. no faith. There is nothing to have faith in. Therefore, I have to cover my own ass. Mm-hmm. Like I have got to work my butt off mm-hmm. to make sure that I am safe and secure because I can't trust or have that sense of faith in anything. Yeah. And those are the two tricky places for you. And so the middle of the road is to find that place of faith, that sense of purposefulness, and still be also aware of your own agency and building your own sort of pragmatic human skill. Hmm. And the, the thing that comes to me is an old, I think it's from a Sufi, probably from a Mullah Nasruddin story that says, have faith in Allah and also tie up your camel. Right. It's that combination yeah. for you. And yeah, yeah, finding yeah. that, that's your path of mastery. That's the work of yeah, your life. Yeah, that lifetime. sounds fucking hard and awful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now you know why I call it the path of mastery. <laughs> because mastery does not come easily. If it was easy, it wouldn't be mastery. Yeah. This is one of the things I really talk people through when I'm teaching or, you know, talking with a client about this. Yeah. The, the, if the someone could just hand it to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The part where I tie my shoelaces, that's the part that feels very foreign to me, right? Mm-hmm. I think people may be, oh, but Simone, you're so successful. You make so much money. But yeah, but it's because I'm trying so hard because I feel so weird belonging to this material world. I'm like, what are the rules? Like I have to work 10 times as hard as everybody else, not so I can necessarily accumulate more money, but so I can feel like I'm not like... I belong here. I belong or I can here. at least exactly. be at home here. Yeah. You may never feel completely at home here. But you will have learned, see, this yeah. is what mastery is for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's your flavor of it. Yeah. It's about how to be very skillfully yeah. in the materiality of this world, even if it never completely feels natural. Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> Being bold and courageous and just throwing myself into the world without pre-planning to make sure it's not going to fail. Still scary as shit to me, and I'm 20 years older than you are. Yeah. That's my path. That's my path. And I'm way better at it than I used to be. I am building this mastery, and I will be building it until I die because that's how this works. Everybody's going to be asking themselves, what's mine? Do me, right? And so everybody, I mean, you know where to find KJ. I'm going to link to her website in the show notes, but... It's because not every single one of my listeners can, you know, work with you just because sure. there's too many of them. If somebody's wondering, okay, like really help me. I want to know what my path of mastery is. And like, I'm not getting a super clear idea from all you've described so far. Right. How would you right. point them to it? The thing that I would say, honestly, actually, the easiest thing that people can do, and this is so not what I was planning on saying, but the only book I've ever written to date is on what's called the Saturn Return which is when this whole issue, whatever your path of mastery is, sort of gets all up in your face between the ages of about 28 and about 32. Super fun times. And so fun times. 
That's um, sarcasm. It's not fun at all. <laughs> it's one of the hardest times any of us ever goes through. And there's a dimension of where your path of mastery is for you that you would have to actually look at your birth chart and then talk to somebody who kind of speaks the language. But short of that, at the very least, my book is like $3.99 on Amazon, I think. And it at least goes through the signs. And there's a table in there. I made them. My publisher was not happy about it. And I made them put a table of dates of each Saturn in the sign, Aries, Leo, Leo, Libra, Aquarius, whatever, for I think the whole of the 20th century or like 1920, maybe onward. And so you can look it up. You can look up your birthday and go, oh, my Saturn is in Libra. What's that about? And then I have a section in the book that's what that's about, what that hard thing is for you. But this idea, if nothing else, whether you ever know the specifics of your path of mastery by my definition or not, just the idea that your authenticity is in your incompleteness, I hope will be a kind of wild thing that slips into your into the back of your consciousness and just keeps like prompting you to turn a different direction because incompleteness feels like failure to most of us. Yeah. And in our businesses, in our relationships, in our spiritual practice, in ourselves. And this idea that that is you at your truest to me is a revolutionary idea. And, and there's no, we never get there. There's no there until there's we die. No th- there's no there there. Right. And I don't know what happens after we die. I have right. my theories. You have yours. We all do. But yeah. incompleteness is, is how it is to be human. And if we're yeah. forever running away from that or yeah. trying to fix that or trying, you know, especially more and more, and I won't go too far into this because I know we're pretty much at time, but, you know, Martin talks a lot about what we've cost ourselves by too much taming. We've tamed so much in every way you want to think about that, every way you want to think about that. And that more wildness is actually what is crying out for us right now. Yeah. And completeness, the reason I said that, I think, is because completeness is an idea. It's a feeling state that sort of goes along with taming. Mm. I think in Like, let's get it managed under control already kind of thing. Managed under control, sorted. We plow the ground in nice, neat lines in a nice Now square. we understand it. It's done. Yeah. Yep. And so being wild, going back more towards wildness, I think, is a state of what we would feel as incompleteness by definition. And it's so much more alive than being tame. So translating that into how to market better, it's a doable thing. I mean, because what I really am wanting all of you to get out of this is that those wild, edgy, incomplete, awkward places in you are some of the deepest gold that you have. Right. And thinking that you have to hide that or compensate for that or cover that up or all the things. So much of what we think is marketing is just our attempts at taming. (laughs) Amen. Right? Like how do I make make put myself into a box that's a brand and a a niche statement and a elevator pitch? 
Yeah. Right. How do I tame my hair and tame my lipstick and tame my brand and tame and my tame my Instagram feed and <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. it's a profound attempt to control. Yeah. Which takes all the life out of yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so for you to be fully alive, which is the most mag. See, this is the thing. This is the pragmatic piece of it. You being fully alive is the most magnetic thing ever. Right. You in your untamed state. Yeah. That is the honey to the bees. Yeah. And I didn't, everybody used to tell me that. And like I said, I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Fuck off. I'm not yeah. confident. I don't know what I'm doing. Get away from me with that. But it's true. And so I will just send that to all of you as a way of sending it back in time yeah. to my you know, very wobbly kind of newborn baby horse seven and a half year ago self starting out on her coaching career and say, do what you got to do. Follow the steps in the concrete for a while. That's fine. For sure. That's fine. That's how we all find our way into it. But feel for your own wildness as soon as you can. Yeah. And then disappear into the forest with it and see where it takes you. (laughs) And you really, your business will thrive. This does not sound like business advice, but I promise you it is. I think that to a degree, I've been a really great model of that. Of yes. Not, and I think that for me, I think I've just gotten started in the wilding of myself. You know, I some, agree. For a lot of people, they look at me like I'm the epitome of like, oh, you, you break so many rules. And I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, I, yeah, I break lots of rules, but I just got started. Yes. You know, and I'm also kind of like finding the edges where I am still holding myself back and trying to tame myself and trying to, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do, I constantly have to make proactive decisions to be more truthful and to be more authentic in my incompleteness. And yeah, I think that's just about the best marketing advice ever. And, and instead of being an elevator pitch, instead of being an avatar, instead of being a brand, you will be, and this kind of sounds kind of cheesy, but like, you will be like an irresistible human being that other people are, want to be around and they don't even know why. I am flinging my arms around, which you will not be able to hear on the recording yeah. because that is everything. Right. What you just said is everything, Simone. Yeah. The only, what brand means is people know who you are. Mm-hmm. They recognize the so taste good. of you. If yeah. I read some copy somewhere if I saw some words somewhere that were just like painted on a wall somewhere, I would know if they were yours. Yeah. Cause I know what your essence is because you transmit it so clearly because you share it with us so clearly because you keep finding out yeah. more and more clearly yeah. what it is that makes you, you yeah. and people are the same way with me. Yeah. And I, I didn't set out to have a brand. I still don't think about myself that way, but I'm doing what branding is supposed to do. Right, right. Which is I am creating such a distinct identity mm. that people know exactly when something is me yeah. or not. And they, if they're my people, they do want to come towards me. Yeah. Because I'm getting clearer and clearer. But yeah, I think that I thought, I was just thinking that about you earlier today. You're still working with some, what sound like some pretty amazing teachers. You're working within some pretty powerful frameworks. Those have given you the way to really catapult yourself to some new levels, and you are barely getting started. I believe it. And you, at some point, you are going to push off 
yeah. from any other structure or any other format or any other framework, and you are going to go into the cosmos and find, absolutely find your own way. Yeah. But you're already one of the most absolutely unmistakable voices and faces and identities in our shared world. Yeah. And it's just, I hope I'm around for the long haul to see what you do with this. You better be. You will be. Okay. I was going to say, this is not like a tweetable soundbite kind of conversation, but I actually think we do it's have me. some tweetable soundbites here. <laughs> okay. If anybody could find them, you would be able to. I would yeah. not bother. I would just be like, listen to an hour or don't. But you can probably get the little nuggets out of there. I totally see if you can, can put them out to the world. And this is just going to be one of those conversations. Like, wait, how does this fit in with the rest of everything you talk about? Mm-hmm. It's just going to be have to be the authenticity and the incompleteness of the, this is like, that's it. Whatever. And the diversity. Like, I think when it yeah. becomes too homogeneous. Totally. It starts to lose its ziz. Yeah. And so if I'm an outlier in your totally. world, it just stretches I'm publishing this podcast for the people. It's not going to be everybody, I suspect, for the people who listen to this thing and there's a zing of like, whoa, I want to think about this, right? So it's for you. That's you. If that's not you, I suspect you stopped listening a long time. Yeah. If it's not you, you probably buggered off 40 minutes ago and bless you because (laughs) all I want is for people to know what's right for them. And I am not right for everybody, just like you're not. Yeah. We're not trying to be. But this may be for the kind of weirdos and outliers in your world. Yeah, totally. You know, I got a lot for of them, them to world. feel heard. I love that. I love all of your people. Yeah. You know, your people seem amazing closeted, and more beautiful. More positive than others, but I got a lot of them. Well, they can listen in peace and quiet and they don't have to admit it to anybody. But that's if they right. dig it, that's awesome. KJ, I have my hands together in respect. I love you. Thank you for being here. Tell people, I'm going to link to your um, website, but tell people how to hang out with you. Sure. You can find me on Facebook as KJ Sassy Pants. And I do a lot of work on Facebook. Facebook is kind of, Instagram is fun, but it's not good for conversation. And I really dig the back and forth. So KJ Sassy Pants, I think there's two of us, but I'm, you'll know it's me. <laughs> Just say it. It's going to be weird and pictures. Then, <laughs> Yeah, that well, it's a, there's a picture of me. I think my picture of me is on my profile. And also just like my public posts. As soon as yeah. you see my public posts, you'll know it's me. Okay. And then my website is karenhawkwood.com. It's K-A-R-E-N-H-A-W-K-W-O-O-D.com. And that's pretty much it. That's my world at this right. point. Come on and say hi. Say hi, get lost in the world of, in the underworld, in the world of mysteries. <laughs> yes. And if you come into my world, you're in the underworld. So do yes. be prepared for that. All right. Well, again, I've never not talked for this long in my own podcast. And I will just Thank let Thank you for making this space. Oh, of course. I'll just let the conversation like create ripples in your mind. And I'll be back with more stuff like this later. Thank you, Kate. Yay. Thank you, Simone. Hey, if you want a shot of fresh inspiration and actionable tips to improve your marketing every single week in your inbox, you better get on my email list. Sign up to receive my free ebook called 20 Unsolicited Copy Tips. It's been known to get people to come out of the woodwork and ask to work with you. So get on that link in the show notes and I'll see you in your inbox next time. Stop if you just call-